WKNC 88.1. You guys are tuned into Carolina Grown. My name is Grant Golden, and um, I am joined right now in the studio by the incredibly talented folks of uh, Kairaba, of course, led by uh, Jelly Sissoho. Hopefully, I've I've done it accurately this time. Awesome, because I was talking earlier about how I have heard this pronounced in so many different ways, so I'm glad that I knocked it out this time. Um, these guys have a new album coming out. Um, next Friday, they are celebrating the release of The Great Peace at the Cat's Cradle with Orchestra Gardell, and it is going to be a really, really awesome show. Two really, really talented artists from the area that kind of make a little bit of unconventional music for the North Carolina area. So um, first off, I want to jump into The Great Peace. Uh, can you guys tell me a little bit about the new album and how it differs from Resonance, both like sonically and thematically and all of that? <laughs> Everybody's pointing at me to answer. Is anybody else want to answer? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we approached this album in a very uh, sort of uh, more experienced way. The album is uh, has a lot more space, and we I think we took a lot more time to sort of craft the songs. And usually, I guess with second albums, bands are are more used to playing with each other when they make that album and. We made we made a lot of choices that were different from the first one, like who to work with. We worked with a different engineer and went in a different studio. Um, we entered into the experience just with kind of more more of an idea of how to play with each other, and um, that's really sort of the magic that I love about recordings is because it's not just like the band playing songs; it's also capturing the energy of of um, the musicianship between all of us in the band. So. That um, that's kind of the main difference, right? Yeah. And with you guys are like such an incredibly like energetic and really engaging live band. <laughs> so like, what what do you do with your recording process to make it so that it doesn't just sound like flat in comparison? Because it's so easy for acts that are so engaging live to just kind of have a studio album and it doesn't really come out the same. But you don't really get that with you guys' music. Like, what sort of what sort of techniques are you doing? Are you guys doing it live, full band, or are you still just kind of tracking it out instrument by instrument? Like, what's the process for this? We did uh, most of the tracking live at the Fidelitorium, the Cheester Studio in Kernersville. Um, and we did the basic tracks all together live as a group. And even Jelly's Cora and, you know, 98% of the vocals were done live which with, with the band, which is, like, a pretty amazing thing for a vocalist to be able to pull off. Um, I think for me, one big difference about this record that actually Will pointed this out when we were we were drafting the liner notes um, that are included in the record where we describe each of the songs, and a lot of it's like a more it's a much more moody album I think than Resonance was, and a lot of these songs are about death and and spirituality and like it's and it's and rebirth. <laughs> rebirth. I mean, they're like and these love. They're, but I'm saying that there, yeah. there's like some dark and kind of and, and heavier moments to it, which is something that I feel like I connect with emotionally. And it's sort of hard to, like you're saying, capture the like frenetic, energetic thing right. in an album quite as fully. And so there are definitely moments of that on the record and there are moments that are sort of quieter and more serious in a way. And one of the things I've always really loved about you guys is the ability to take it from just a really energetic and hyped up track that everyone can kind of just like elaborately create their own sort of dance to live. And then literally the next second, someone could be like weeping over a story and a song that someone has. It's just so incredible to see such different sides of the spectrum coming in so close together. It's just 
I don't know, you don't get to see that a lot. And it's something that's really exciting and refreshing to see from an artist. Like, you can kind of feel a little bit of everything at like a Gialli Sissoho show. Thank you. I can add something to that too. It's something that we've experienced um, because Jelly is singing in four languages and m most of it is either Wolof or Mandinka. And some of us, you know, know a few words, <laughs> but mainly um, a lot, a lot of a lot of the lyrics go by, and, and we know a little bit about what he's singing, but sometimes we have no idea. And I, I can bet that the audience also doesn't have any idea unless we tell them before or after what the song is about. So sometimes Jelly's singing about something that's kind of sad, like the passing of one of his brothers, but everybody in the room is dancing their butts off, right? Because the music is dance music, but we're also bringing, you know. Our songs are about very serious things, and and we like to have fun, but we also like to, you know, um, carry messages. Right, and I guess that kind of ties in a little bit with uh, Jelly's um, history musically within uh, the Singhalese uh, culture, because I believe uh, the Sosoho family was all kind of involved with the griot traditions and storytelling. Can you kind of delve into that a little bit? Because I'm really interested in learning how that uh, culturally compares to how the musical and storytelling aspects are over here stateside and particularly with North Carolina as well. Yeah, I, uh, I guess uh, it's a long story like from my, my granddad generation and our generation is uh, we learning like uh, so many things from our our father, you know, our parents. So our parents learning that they parent. So when they grow up, when they have when they have us, so they they tell us how they grew story, blah blah. So when we learning that kind of thing, and uh, we we keep it, we remember that because we don't. Uh, write down story, you know, who tape it, you know, keep it, save it somewhere. You know? We already have it here. Even million years we can tell our story because we remember. So the generation is keeping going like that, the generation. Like today, you have a child, his child going to learn in all that thing. So that's how we do. So when I come to U.S., uh, I want to keep in uh keeping uh keep that uh, that traditional from my from my uh family you know i don't want to lose that because i'm part of the us so i have to lose that no way so i have to keep that and then keep that story going because anytime when i was africa my family they always ask me jelly you still play music you still keeping you you culture i say always always yeah and it's and it's something that i've always really really loved about this band is that i feel like it's there's just as much focus on the traditionalism and the music that you have brought over from africa to the same sort of types of music and tradition that you can find within the american culture and particularly within north carolina because you guys have all been involved in projects as well before this and it seems like there's a bit musically that you guys are all bringing to the table here so what about each is each of you's musical past do you think is kind of brought to light here within the project that you're working in now um 
Well, this is John. I'm the I play guitar in Caraba. Um, yeah, I guess the Americans, the band, we all have a pretty diverse, uh, pretty diverse background. Um, a couple of us have studied music and school situations as well as, you know, there's, I, I would say with, uh, I know with at least Jonathan, yeah, with most of us, actually, there's been some sort of, um, you know, fam- family oriented musical, you know, traditions that have gone on, um, my father was a is a guitarist and plays violin, and Jonathan's dad is a, uh, is a is a musician. He actually both both of our parents, both of our fathers, play on the record. Um, his dad plays saxophone, and uh, actually Jonathan has followed in his footsteps and is currently teaching at the, the as a music teacher at Carolina Friends School, where his dad used to be a teacher as well. And Austin's father uh, also is a drum set player, and you know he's kind of followed, followed in that that tradition as well. Um, but and as far as stylistically, I mean, uh, you know, I came from kind of a jazz background and blues, and uh, a lot of classical music musicians are in my in my family. Um, and Jonathan has had a lot of experience with jazz and blues and some avant garde. He's plays in this. He's played in this one ensemble called Invisible, which if you ever get a chance to check it out, it's really wild. I can say you won't see anything else <laughs> like it. <laughs> um, but um, <clears throat> and Austin has, you know, I think he's played in, you know, a lot of rhythm and blues and, you know, has played all sorts of things. And and Will was in a punk band <laughs> going all over the place and then has also studied uh, West African music for for a number of years. Um, and so he's really been, you know, he's really been steeped in that music for a while. Um, so yeah, we definitely come from kind of a lot of different, different backgrounds. And it's, that's one of the other things that's always really exciting is because you can tell that you guys are really like very, very musically oriented. It's obviously, you know, very complex stuff. There's a lot of really intricate rhythms that are going on there. And it's, it's something that sounds so... I guess, foreign to a lot of people around here because, you know, within the North Carolina scene, there's not a heavy focus on what a lot of folks, I guess, would call like world music type of stylings. So when an act like you guys comes around, or I know uh, the Brand New Life out of Greensboro did a lot of really similar things, uh, kind of delving into the Afro pop and stuff like that, um, it's always like a really big breath of fresh air. And I always really, really love getting the chance to check out stuff like that. So, um, I am, we're going to take a very brief break from conversation. You guys are going to get to hear a track from The Great Peace, and then we are going to jump back into some more conversation with Jelly Sissoho and Kairaba right here on Carolina Grown. Oh, 
tanna tumiyo e fama aladi falima do sayamani mutiyuni munekire imaye sayate tutula fama aladi
WKNC 88.1. We are back with some more conversation from Gialli Sosoho and Kairaba. You guys were just listening to a brand new track off of The Great Peace. That was a track called Alanole. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in the hour, uh, these guys are going to be celebrating the release of this album, The Great Peace, next Friday at the Cat's Cradle. And it is going to be a really fantastic show. Um, first off, I want to talk with you guys a little bit about um, how The Great Peace all came together. Um, first off, what what have you kind of derived the name from for this album? <laughs> hey, this is Austin, the drummer for Kairaba. Um, it's kind of funny. The the name of the band is Kairaba, which means the great peace. Awesome. So uh, we just kind of found it fitting, and it just like struck a struck a chord when we, when we just kind of sounded out to each other. Just yeah, it really sounded great. So. We felt it was really fitting for also all the songs that are on there, what they're about, a lot of them about peace and yeah, what John was saying with peace and love and, and just uh, in memory of those who have passed. And uh, so we just figured that was a good way to, to settle on that. Awesome. That's so it's sort of, it's like a self-titled, yeah, self-titled. in a, in a yeah. sort, but yeah, that's awesome. And um, it's, it seems like, one of I know I've mentioned it before, but it's it's like there's a lot of really awesome ways that the thematic aspects of this music can play into and also kind of counteract what's happening sonically. And that's always something that I really enjoy kind of determining like what is actually going on within the song. I love when you guys kind of like preface the music live with like, all right, so this is what it's about. But then also, you know, when you're listening to it, uh, Jelly's vocals are so like emotive sometimes you can kind of feel like the message that's sort of coming across but it's it's something that you you don't always get the chance to do because there's not always that that language barrier there so how how have you guys seen people coping with this language barrier in an area like North Carolina um how do you think that this music can kind of fit in to the area scene uh given the fact that the bulk of the people won't get to understand what the lyrics are actually saying. Yeah, that's something that I've been really impressed with what I've seen Jelly do is that I feel like he's kind of a a magician of communication. You know, it's like I feel like I I see people really resonating and connecting with the emotion of the of the music and of the vocal, um, even even though they might not be are likely to not be following a literal translation of what um, Jelly's singing about. But we, some of us get into like sort of this like enjoy venturing into this kind of like nerdy academic world of like writing translations and interpretations of the song. So Will headed that out for this record and um, the album includes like pretty in-depth descriptions of what the lyric is about in each song. Because awesome. there's a lot there, you know, there's a, there's a lot of story and a lot of meaning there in each of the tunes. Yeah, and that's the thing is it seems like there's so much that you can unravel within these songs, but... Regardless, it seems like of whether or not people even really understand what's going on thematically, there's a lot that they can enjoy. So it's kind of like you get to peel away the layers to all of this music and see, you know, like what this is actually comprised of. And that's something that, once again, you don't get to do with a lot of bands. You guys have a lot of aspects that, you know, not a lot of people can really touch on. And another one of those things is the Korra. Because I remember when I first saw that thing at Shikori, um, my buddy beside me was like, I don't know what that is. But it sounds like something I heard in a dream one time. And it's <laughs> it was funny, but it was also, you know, like it's really accurate too because it produces this crazy sound that, you know, like a lot of people have never 
really encountered something like that. So, Jelly, can you kind of run down a little bit of the Korra? Like, when did you learn how to play Korra? How long have you been playing it? Um, just a little bit of stuff like that. Yeah, I started to play Korra since when I uh, five years old. I started to play Korra, but I'm not really... When I was little, I'm not really crazy about playing Korra. I like it, but, you know, but I like play soccer better to play Korra. But, you know, my dad gave me a hard time about that. You know, if you not play Korra, you're not going to be uh, living my house, and then you're not going to eat my food. So I guess I said, wow, mom, I have to play Korra. If I don't play Korra, mom, my dad going to give me a hard time. So... Uh, and then after, I started to play Korra more. But I don't learn in Korra from my dad or from my mom or from other people. It's in my blood. I pick up it like that. It looks like my mom cooks something in the kitchen, tell me, Jelly, go find it. The food is in the table. That's how I learn in Korra. That's how I pick Korra. Yeah, so all my brother, they always go out, have teacher. I don't have a teacher. I'm my teacher by myself. So Cora is like my father used to say, Cora have to like you. You don't have to like Cora. Because you can like Cora. Cora doesn't like you. You can still play Cora. You think you better. No. Cora have to like you first. When Cora like you, you have opened it. You got it. Awesome. So how how would you say that your style of playing Cora compares to the more traditional aspects, you know, as opposed to someone who sat down at five year old five years old and was being taught Cora by someone that's been playing it within a traditional manner? Yeah, like um when I when I was five years old, like like what I say, he's not my head playing Cora, but I can feel like what your friend told you about the dreaming, Cora. You know, I can sleep and dreaming about Cora, and then I can feel how Cora coming to me. You know, but me, I always turn down Cora, but he always come to me because that time I'm not ready yet. But like our style music, like my style music, uh, me, I love to mix. I love to mix a lot of different style music because you never know the world. So when I was in Europe, that's my first time play with different people, different experience music. So I started to play music with uh, European people. It's a lot of complicated for me because that was my first time. And, but soon when I got it, I got it. So, before I moved to U.S., uh, I know this thing gonna happen one day in the future, because I, I, I already planning that. I know one day this gonna happen, but me, I don't tell my dream. I have a dream. I keep What's it. Your dream? No, <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys that. You guys always forget about it. I don't tell my dream. My dream, I always keep it because it's a bad luck to me if I tell my dream. I always keep it. When it's happened, I know it's happened. So 
uh, like this kind of music I'm playing with my band. Uh, it's not surprising me because I know it's going to happen. It doesn't surprise me. And then I have that experience, play with different people. This is not like my first time play with white people. I play million white people. We play together a lot. So come to U.S., play with these people, make me so happy, and then make my music better. Better. And yeah. so that's one of the things that I have always been interested about with this band is where you all kind of draw your individual inspiration from when it comes to making this music because there is so much to it and there's obviously you know the west african roots within it but it seems like there's also you know there's a little bit of almost like funk rock in there there's a little bit of soul in there so what what all have you guys drawn from inspiration wise like what acts do you listen to when you're writing music like how how have you drawn from other art forms to produce the type of music that you do? Oh, oh, like the mostly song Kairabat played today, they my song, I bring it. But I don't listen to like this kind of different music, you know, try to fit it with my music. No, I don't do that. I come in with my what pop at my head. So I come and bring the rhythm and the melody. I say, please guide, this is the melody, this is the beat. So they come what they beat what they had, what is Papa they had. They come with that and mix it with my music. Uh, earlier, I hear you you talking about like uh, uh, how people don't understand my word and the audience, whatever, but they love the music. That experience, a lot of musicians don't have that. They always play, have fun. Exactly. But they don't have that experience. That experience... Musicians need to learn in that. The guitar play, the chora play, the djembe play, the drum set play, they need to learn in that. It's very important how you can communicate with audience. A lot of musicians play music, but they don't know that. It, it seems like when you're watching you guys play that it's almost like the chora is almost like an extension yeah. of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely the vibe that I get when you even, even when you just talk about playing chora, you know, like it seems like something that's so deeply rooted mm -hmm. within you, both the music and just how natural it seems for you to just go off and just like wail on the chora. Like mm -hmm. it's like, there's just this extensive like chora solo that comes out of nowhere. And a lot of people wouldn't originally get the chance to experience something like that. But here it is, here in North Carolina. So what what brought you to North Carolina of all places? Oh, love. Love, <laughs> love brought me here because I met one my wife in Senegal. She come there to study music. So I was in Ho-Chi-Chi. So in love come, love happened. She told me that you have to come to move to U.S., I say, wow, that's a big deal. I don't think so right now. I have to talk to my family first. When they okay, yes, I'm okay. When I ask my parents, they say, you fine, go. But remember, don't forget back. Don't forget home, go. Well, we are very glad that you ended up making it over here to North Carolina. And um, we are going to take another very brief break from conversation, get to hear another new track from Jaylee Sisoho and Kairaba. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about how the band came together 
and where we can see this going from here because there is there's a whole lot to get excited about, especially with the great piece and what's to come from it. So for now, you guys are listening to Carolina Grown and you're getting ready to hear some new music from Jaylee Sissoho and Kairaba.
WKNC 88.1. We are back with more Carolina Grown. You guys were listening to another new track from Jaylee Sissoho's new album, The Great Peace. Uh, that track was called Alaji. And kind of moving towards the different end of the spectrum there. And uh, I am always really excited about getting to see you guys. We've just been talking about Shakori Hills and all the various shows you guys have played around the area. Um, so what what brought all of you together? Like, how did this band form? The, we, there's one story we tell about that, but I, I think I've been thinking lately about how the um, Will, Will and I have known each other longer than than anybody in the band, and we um, have played in helped found a group called Cacalac Thunder. That's a like radical street marching band from Greensboro. That's about to have its tenth anniversary this year. Awesome. And so. Will and I like have this this sort of like background of, of playing music together, and you asked before about sort of uh, influences, and I think that that band really influenced me personally. Had a big bearing on my life in in terms of thinking about um, music as like a community activity, and as um, thinking about a band as a community and a family. And I think that that's something that's really carried forward into this into this group um, is that dynamic that we share together. But that's not specifically how we got together. I'll let Austin tell that story. All right. This is kind of the go-to story that is, yeah, the shocker for everyone. It's it's good. Um, <laughs> well, I guess um, to start off, me, Will, and Jonathan, we all uh, have been playing for several years now in this group called Paper Hand Puppet Intervention. Awesome. Which and, folks uh, at Shikori are very, very well acquainted with. Yeah, yeah. So we've been with uh, Paper Hand for a while, and actually... Um, after a show, a friend of mine, Jelly's wife, um, I heard she, she moved back to town and she had a husband, uh, who was from Senegal who played Cora. And I kept hearing about this, uh, this dude everywhere. Everybody was telling me like, man, you got to meet this guy. Jelly He's awesome. He plays Cora. And, uh, <clears throat> I, I just, I don't know. I, I kept hearing a lot about him. And then finally one day after a, uh, after a paper hand show, Hillary was there with Jelly and, uh, they came down and said, Hey, and immediately just kind of hit it off from there but it took a little bit before we actually got to play um play together um but uh one day uh, me john and jelly just happened to meet up over at i think it was your mom's your yeah mom's house yes. and uh the u.s mom's house and um <laughs> and we met up over there and there's just the three of us started playing around a little bit and just trying to see if, uh, if there was any connection at all, and there was a connection. So we decided to try to keep it uh, going. And uh, at the time, Will and I were living in Carborough, and I had gotten John and, and Jelly to come up to that house. We had a, a few rehearsals over there, and uh, and then one day Will came home, and <clears throat> he came in and started sitting in, and it felt really good with that extra percussion, just like holding it down with me. <laughs> It was it was really awesome. That that felt really really great. And we were in search for a bass player at the time, just like kind of racking our brains. That I, I had always had one like, you know, deep in my mind who I knew would fit great in the project. And and it was Jonathan and uh, Will. Jonathan and I we had we had done the project in the past a little bit, um, some stuff together. And uh, and I knew that it was it was kind of along the same sort of vein a little bit style of music sort of 
But um, so I talked to Jonathan about it one day, and um, he was kind of a little little unsure about joining the group. He was like, ah, I don't know, because at the time I think you were su- just super busy with a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, how can I convince Jonathan? And I remembered, aha, I know what'll what'll grab him, what'll pull him in. <clears throat> so I told him this story about, uh, let's see, I think it was a, a few months before. Jelly had invited me, Will, and John over to his house to celebrate this uh, Muslim holiday called Tabaski. Mm-hmm. And so we're over there, and like traditionally, you eat, you uh, cook up goats, and you eat goat, and play a lot of music, and it's just and have a big feast with everyone. It's a it's a really great time. And so we had all got done eating, and uh, so Jelly picked up a djembe, and he asked me to get a djembe, and Will got on dundunes. And so we started playing a little bit, got some rhythm going on, and in uh, about five minutes goes by. You know, it's feeling great. It's feeling really good. Ten minutes goes by. It's getting a little bit more intense. Fifteen minutes goes by. My arms are about to fall off. And, uh, and Jelly gets, you know, being a showman and really energetic and just, want, you know, he's got that wow factor that everybody's looking for. He's got it. And so he gets, he's got, he's, yeah, yeah, wow, wow. So in Jelly's hair, if you see him live, you'll see these beads in his hair. And so while we're all playing this thing going on, my arm's just kind of barely hanging in there. Jelly's like facing away from me, but I see him take his hair, <coughs> hair out of the bunch that he has and, uh, and his dreads are falling down. And he throws his hair down onto the djembe. It just makes a thwack sound. He does it once and then starts playing. Thwack! <laughs> does it a second time. It keeps playing and we're just like intense going at it. And the third time, thwack, throws his hair down. And, uh, you know, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, this guy's nuts. And, uh, and I see the look on everyone's faces. And uh, I can't see Jelly at the time. His back is turned towards me. I see the look on everyone's faces just like, oh, my God, what just happened? And I was like, what, what's going on? Why is everybody looking at him so, so freaked out? What's going on? And, uh, and Jelly turns to me. <clears throat> And to, to get the rhythm and the beat more intense, he goes, come on! And all this blood just comes from his mouth, splatters all in my face, all my shirt, all over the djembe. And what had happened was he, um, the third time when he, threw, <laughs> when he threw his hair down onto the djembe, he accidentally, he got really into it and accidentally hit his forehead on the edge of the djembe. Ooh. And there's a little scar right there. And so, <laughs> right, and so I mean, it's not a, you know, it wasn't a big cut. Major head wound. Yeah, it wasn't a major head wound or anything. It explains but, a lot of the way he is today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it explains a lot. <clears throat> but so what had happened is the, the blood went from his forehead, went down the side of his nose and all in his mouth. And I had no idea this was going on. And I see Will's face just like, oh, my God. And just when he said that, it was just all over me. And at that moment, it was like, yeah. It's on. We're, we're blood <laughs> brothers. This yeah. is it. And yeah. so to bring it back around, that's where I kind of hooked Jonathan with this story, I think. And, and he was def- totally intrigued with that. And was like, <laughs> I got to meet this dude. And it was like, seemed like there was a punk rock ethic that we were going to share yeah, in common. Like, he bled for this, man. He bled for this. Sorry yeah. if we just uh, lost all of our um, uh, listeners with small children in the car (laughs) that's where they turn it this gym this jimbe jam story is too intense we gotta (laughs) switch it over to wunc (laughs) um, so that's 
like wow i just like i don't even know where to go from there like that's just such a like awesome little bit of like of the past from jaylee sasoho um that is really fantastic so what was there any sort of learning curve that you guys had when it came to playing with jelly and uh working alongside with the cora and kind of developing with the west african traditions i know you mentioned uh that there was a little bit of west african history uh when with some of you guys playing the music but um how how overall swift of a process was it for you guys to get this chemistry going and I think it's been like an incredible learning experience with us all playing together um, in all directions. You know, I feel like I've learned a lot through playing with John and have learned a tremendous amount through playing with Jelly. And I hope Jelly's learned some things playing with us. I mean, I think there's like we share this language of music that we're able to communicate with each other with. And like um, I feel like we've deepened our ability to communicate fluidly the more um, time has gone by. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a there's definitely a learning curves on you know the art on artistic and technical fronts and like tuning issues and just like we had to figure out a lot of things and sort of lay this foundation. And now I feel like this new record for me feels like a major step forward because we kind of have those building blocks in place now and are able to sort of like branch out artistically more. Actually, yeah, the tuning thing has been really funny. The first gig that we all did together. Um, at that time we weren't, you know, cause in, you know, in Senegal traditionally, you know, people don't, they don't tune to a 440 or anything like that. You know, it's, you just tune by ear and you have a note and that's the note you like and you tune everything to that. <laughs> um, and so when we were over here, the first gig we had, uh, we were, we were, yeah, we weren't, ha now we, we generally tune to a specific, you know, we'll tune to a or G or, you know, a specific, uh, you know, frequency that's, you know, in Western music. Um, but that first gig, Jonathan and I just tried to tune to Jelly's Cora, <laughs> and it was so funny. It was probably not the best idea for our instruments either, because <laughs> his Cora was a little bit higher um, than uh, than our our instruments were, and so we were tuning our our guitars, you know, our, his bass and my guitar up. It was like getting close to a half step or something, and <laughs> the neck on my guitar was pitching just like forward. pitching forward so bad. Oh, and the action was so high. No, it wasn't your fault. We were the ones that did it. But <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a, I think it, it really has been an interesting, you know, learning experience, you know, for all of us in, in different ways. I'd, I'd like to actually mention something about uh, the first time all of us, the whole band, got to play in like, in our more toddler baby years um was when we first started playing jelly's the jelly's communicate you know communication with us is english it was pretty good but it wasn't like it is now he's he's awesome at english now <laughs> i mean he knows that <laughs> but but when we were first starting just it i, I found it to be so amazing to have that the verbal barrier be be there but to be able to surpass that and just like communicate through the music solely and uh, try to figure out ways to communicate that way. And uh, that to me just like was just such an amazing experience, you know, all of us coming from different places to be able to make that happen and make that work. That's, that's one of the things I've always really enjoyed about getting to check out World Music Acts is that, you know, it may seem there's a lot of either foreign rhythms or tunings 
or even instruments and sounds that are coming out of it. But, you know, like ultimately you guys are all kind of speaking the same language. You're all sort of playing the same notes. Like it's all something that's always been something that really, really piqued my interest with how similar and different at the same time all of these different cultures of music have. But, you know, like traditionally within American cultures, there's a lot of rich storytelling within, you know, bluegrass and roots rock and stuff like that and it seems like throughout the world there's also a lot of really you know like all of the traditional music is really built upon the foundation of storytelling and stuff like that so it's always something that i've really really loved about hearing you guys's music and um i guess to kind of close things out a little bit here um you guys as i've mentioned before kind of stand out a lot amongst the north carolina scene there's not a whole lot of people that are making music like you guys do. So how how do you ultimately think that you guys fit in with the North Carolina scene? And um, are there any particular acts that you really enjoy getting the chance to play with because you feel like your styles mesh together? Um, we're, we're really like sort of have a problem sometimes of who to play with. And it's a problem that, you know, can kind of get old, but actually I kind of love it because we, we kind of fit in with a lot of different groups. Um, there's no... There's not really a group out there that I know of that is really doing what we're doing. I think that's one thing we really have going for us. But, um, like, there's a lot of groups out there that really bring a lot of energy. And that's kind of what we're doing just in our own little way, you know. The positive, maybe a positive message. And, you know, I think we do like to play with, with other groups that, you know, we're trying to bring people together and have a sense of community and, you know, the sorts of positive positive sorts of messages we're really i mean excited to play with orchestra gardell on the 14th they feel like a great match even though you know there is actually like um in senegal people are really interested in, in salsa and there's been this like back and forth between cuba and west africa historically in in the development of those musics um but those guys just are killing they're just a killing band and like we we love i mean i personally love the opportunity to play with any great band and i feel like the genre thing gets kind of awkward and limiting for us in a way right. because there are not a lot of other bands who fit in the exact niche that we do here but um orchestra gardel for instance is a band that plays very different music but they play it so well and with so much energy and great great musicianship and so it's going to be like a total pleasure to <laughs> right share the stage with them on on friday night and that's that's one of the things you know i i believe back when you were still playing with midtown uh, there was a couple of combination bills where, you know, you'd see Midtown and you guys playing together. And, you know, like sonically, it's such such a like juxtaposition, but it works. And it's it's like yeah. you guys mentioned, you know, like it's kind of like thematically there's sort of the same thing going. There's a strong sense of community. And ultimately, you can't really get that out of a lot. And it's you can have a show that flows together perfectly in terms of sound, but it doesn't really compare to shows that you can just kind of vibe to. Like, and it's it's something that's really special. Is there any act around here or around the area that you guys really would like to play with? Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to say because anytime when we have that kind of thing, Kairaba always asks me, Jelly, what band do you thinking you can play with? To tell the truth, I don't see it. Because, like, what you just asked, our music, I'm not talking about to, to sell ourselves. Because we can sell ourselves not talking in radio. No. 
our music. You can do that to us. Most definitely. No radio. Most definitely. No television. No blah, blah, blah. Yes, no. <laughs> no blah, blah, blah. Do it. So, our music is not just fun. Just have fun. No. It's for challenging people. You can come, get together, and support them together, and understanding each other. Because I don't like people looking like you white and black. We not have to be together. We're different. We're not same. That's not nice word to say. That's not nice thing to think. So our music is kind of like that. How people can get together. I'm telling you tonight, you radio station. One day, remember that. Call me. You're going to tell me. Kairaba going to change the future. It's about to happen. It's going to change America, change Africa. We see about that. One day you're going to call me, tell me, Jelly, can I talk to you? Can you come to my radio station? It's going to happen. We see about that. Well, <laughs> that is lofty. That is a lofty answer. That is heavy, but I really agree with it. You know, like it's getting the chance to go and check out uh, Jelly Sosoho and Kairaba is. It's a lot more than just a fun, dancey time, which I guarantee you will have a fun, dancey time. <laughs> um, but it's a lot more than that. You know, like there's there's a connection that you can really feel that you don't get with a lot of artists. And I've gushed over getting to see him at Shakori. I've talked about getting to see him in all these different places, you know, but it doesn't matter what venue you're at. Like mm -hmm. it's always going to be a very special show. And it is something that I can highly recommend. These guys are playing at the Cat's Cradle next Friday, March 14th with Orchestra Gardell. And it is going to be an absolutely fantastic show. They are going to be celebrating the release of The Great Peace. And we are closing out this segment here on Carolina Grown. And you guys are going to get to hear one last brand new track from The Great Peace, which will be coming out next Friday. So thank you all for tuning in. And thanks so much to Jelly Sosoho and Kairaba for coming into the studio and chatting with me. Thoroughly enjoyed it and got to hear some awesome stories. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Uh, next week we will have another full jam-packed show with some different hours as well due to these uh, baseball delays. But I will have Crowdsource on, which is the brand new project of Phil Torres from Baobab, as well as The Faces Blur, which is another sort of electronic-based project. So a lot of different stuff coming up next week as opposed to this week. But thanks to everyone for tuning in. I am Grant Golden, and you've been listening to Carolina Grown.
Don't move your eyes. 